Zurich Adopsen or An Oxford Love Story is the only novel by English essayist Max Beerbohm, a satire of undergraduate life at Oxford, published in 1911. The book largely employs a third-person narrator, limited to the character of Zurika, then shifting to that of the Duke, then halfway through the novel, suddenly becoming a first-person narrator who claims inspiration from the Greek muse Cleo, with her all-seeing narrative perspective provided by Zeus. This allows the narrator to also see the ghosts of notable historical visitors to Oxford, who are present but otherwise invisible to the human characters at certain times in the novel, adding an element of the supernatural. In 1998, the Modern Library ranked Zurich Adopsen 59th on its list of the 100 best English language novels of the 20th century. Robert Mayhall, in his afterword to the new centenary edition of Zurika, published by Collectors Library in 2011, writes, "Zurika is of the future that Beerbaum anticipates an all too familiar feature of the contemporary scene: the D-list talent afforded A-list media attention." Thank you for tuning in to the Global Novel. I'm Claire Hennessy. With me today is Dr. Margaret Stez, the May and Robert Carter Professor of Women's Studies and Professor of Humanities at the University of Delaware. Professor Stez received her PhD from Harvard University, where she was awarded the Howard Mufford Jones Prize for Best Dissertation in English and American Literature from 1780 to 1900. Dr. Stez is the author of the British woman's comic fiction from 1890 to 1990, and another book titled *Gender and the London Theatre* from 1880 to 1820, and a third book titled *Facing the Late Victorians*. Along with more than 120 published essays on subjects ranging from Victorian art and print culture to New Victorian literature and film to women and war to fashion. Hello, Margaret. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Claire. I am so happy to be here. It was extremely kind of you to invite me, and to give me this chance to talk about a novel that I always have mixed feelings about when I read it.、Um, one thing that does occur to me again and again, I think every time, of what Nigel Nicholson, the son of Vita Sackville West, said about Virginia Woolf's novel Orlando. Which was published in 1928 and is also a comic fantasy. He said that it was the longest and most charming love letter in English literature, and he meant that it was Virginia Woolf's love letter to his mother, Vita Sackville West, with whom she had had indeed a relationship that also、uh, remained as a long friendship. Zulika Dobson is a love letter to Oxford. It's not so much a satire of Oxford, although it is that as well, as an expression of love and nostalgia and longing for the past and for the past at Oxford in particular that Beerbohm himself had left behind. Max Beerbohm, who was an undergraduate at Merton College, Oxford University, in the early in the early eighteen nineties, left before getting his degree. He never got his Oxford diploma. He decided to go to London and be a star, be a celebrity of the decadent world. 
where he quickly took that world by storm with one of his very first publications, which was an essay in the first number in April 1894 of The Yellow Book. It was the beginning of Max Beerbohm's celebrity, but it was also the beginning of his very mixed feelings about the idea of celebrity. And that, more than Oxford, is what he satirizes in Zuleika Dobson. He makes fun of the desire to be admired and of the consequences of falling under the spell of a celebrity. Meanwhile, though, he looks and thinks and writes about the beautiful world of Oxford, which stayed with him even after he had left England. This novel was published in 1911, but he had been working on it for at least 12 or 13 years, beginning it in the 1890s. And he finished it and published it one year after, in 1910, he left England forever. He came back during both world wars because he had to, but he officially moved and created a permanent home in Rapallo, Italy, with his new bride, Florence Kahn, who was herself an actress, a Jewish-American actress. And thinking back to the world of Britain, of England, of Oxford that he knew in the early 1890s fueled this novel as much as anything else did. It's truly great to talk about this uh, brilliantly composed uh, comic fiction by Max Beerbohm. And speaking of the author, I'm sure you have done such a wonderful job in uh, familiarize our listeners with everything that we need to know about the author. I'm actually quite aware that you are recently the co-curator of an exhibition at the New York Public Library that is running until January 28th. And the exhibition is titled Max Beerbohm, The Price of Celebrity. What an exciting title. How, how, how is the exhibition going? I'm sure one can learn a great deal about Max Beerbohm from, from this exhibition, right? Well, I hope so. Uh, Mark Samuels Lassner and I co-curated this. He is Senior Research Fellow at the University of Delaware Library, Museum, and Press. And the exhibition has an online presence, too. So if you uh, go to a search engine and look for Max Beerbohm, The Price of Celebrity, NYPL, meaning your public library, will come up. And you can see all of the items that are on display there and read the text of all of the labels, because I wrote all of those labels. Um, I was also the one uh, who came up with the subtitle of The Price of Celebrity, because it seemed to me that we live now in an age that is dominated by celebrity. And Max Beerbohm was alive and active on the cusp of that and was himself involved in the celebrity industry as a caricaturist who was not only a writer but was also an artist who was making his living in two different ways. One was by writing theater reviews for the Saturday Review from 1898 to 1910 
And the other was selling caricatures of the great, the famous, politicians, writers, artists, theatrical stars, you name it, um, selling these to the public and also having these appear in various newspapers and magazines where they were reproduced uh, endlessly and were treasured. Uh, They were treasured too by some of the people whom he caricatured, who very much enjoyed the fact that he was adding to their celebrity by Hmm. making fun of them visually. So uh, yes, in the world of Taylor Swift, it seemed to me that the world of (laughs) Dobson fits right in. Uh, I am marveling marveling at the fact that indeed a woman died, I believe, in Brazil at a Taylor Swift concert because it was so hot, so appalling, but nobody wanted to leave. She did not want to leave, evidently, because Mm -hmm. there was Taylor Swift. And (laughs) it seems to me a very short step from that to going back in time to Zalika Dobson and the idea that an entire male undergraduate population at Oxford would throw itself in the river shouting the name Zalika. They may as well have been shouting the name Taylor and wearing friendship. (laughs) Well, it's such a complicated novel, which you mentioned before we were on air, and to begin with, what do you think of the characterization? Do characters have depth? How does this characterization contribute to the novel's themes? I think the characters have no depth at all, and that this is intentional on Beerbohm's part. Beerbohm was a um, friend and admirer of E.M. Forster, who was only a little bit younger than he was. Uh, you might be aware of E.M. Forster's critical work, from 1927 called Aspects of the Novel, in which he talks about works that have flat characters versus works that have round characters. Round characters have depth. They have complicated backstories. They have emotional motivations. They have interesting, changeable minds, and they develop. If we think about what's called the Bildungsroman, meaning the novel of development, of growth, the protagonists of the Bildungsroman will always be round characters because you are watching them turn into their mature selves. What we have in Zuliga Dobson, it seems to me, is the opposite. It is a comic work that uses what Forster would have called flat characters. The characters have the quickest possible changes of behavior unrelated to any reasonable emotions. Uh, There's nothing much motivating them other than the narrator saying, they now did this. (laughs) So uh, that is one of the joys, actually, of this novel, that you have to be paying attention at every moment because of the quick changes And what we get are endless reversals motivated by pretty much nothing in particular, whether that's on the part of Zuleika Dobson, who goes from instantly falling in love with the Duke of Dorset to hating him when she sees that he 
loves her. And we have him instantly falling in love with her, but then hating her. I mean, we go on and on. And Katie Batch, the landlady's daughter, who loves the Duke and who hates Suleika and who then loves Noakes and then who hates Noakes and on and on. We, we get all of these things. Um, so, yeah, these are not characters with any depth, but they are very entertaining characters. They are all surface, and the surface is polished and lovely. Well, how about the satirical elements in the novel? Well, Beerbaum's work, you know, it's clearly known for that. How does Zulika Dobson employ satire to critique social norms and values of the time, and which are, you know, as you talked, still relevant to today's celebrity culture? Yeah. Oh, he loves to make fun of celebrity culture. He loves to make fun of Americans, too. Uh, Zuleika goes to the United States, and we hear that she cuts a swath right across the, the whole of the country. Every man falls in love with her. Every member of every class adores her in New York, and then in Chicago, and then in San Francisco. And uh, Beerbaum makes fun of the American press, Again, thinking about how he would have been horrified by social media and by the endless, endless attention paid to what celebrities are doing and getting candid shots of them without makeup and in their private lives. Because he's got all of that in the novel. We hear about Zuleika and these photographs of her that appear in all the American publications. They always want to keep photographing Zuleika Dobson. Uh, so yeah, that's one of the objects of satire here is America. Another one, of course, is celebrity culture. And he does make fun as well of certain aspects of himself. Mm -hmm. Max Beerbaum was a committed dandy. And one of his very first essays, in fact, was about dandies in the early 1890s. He right, believed right. that dandyism was a high, almost religious calling, as well as an hmm. aesthetic position, that it involved a commitment to beauty achieved through restraint and self-control and self-discipline. And that applied both to clothing, to how the dandy dressed, never too much, always just enough, always in harmony, all the parts, but also how the dandy acted, that the dandy had to be a gentleman. He wasn't interested in women dandies at all. That's a whole other subject about Max Beerbohm and women. But the dandy had to be a man of restraint and self-discipline. Max Beerbaum loved the work of Oscar Wilde. He was great friends with Oscar Wilde, but he wrote satirically about Wilde and he did some vicious visual caricatures of Wilde because he thought that Wilde was not self-disciplined and self-controlled, whether in his sexuality or in his eating and drinking. So we get this ideal of dandyism in Beerbohm and mm -hmm. in the character of the Duke of Dorset, Beerbohm makes fun of the ideal of dandyism. 
where the Duke of Dorset is so much a dandy that he's over the top, that he's actually gone beyond where a dandy should go, and that that is what actually leads him to kill himself, is his, his commitment to this kind of vision of himself as fulfilling the dandy's destiny no matter what. Well, certainly there is no doubt that Zurika's allure or seductive power is the central focus of the novel. So what are your thoughts on how Beerbaum portrays her magnetism and its impact on the uh, characters and the story's trajectory? Oh, he makes fun of it like mad. You know, even (laughs) as everyone around her is saying how utterly irresistible she is, she's a pill. And she's described as not so ideally beautiful, um, much more ideally beautiful in the um, style of the turn of the century, is Katie Batch, the um, landlady's daughter. Uh, Mm -hmm. What Celine Dobson has is magnetism. And again, I think about the worship of somebody like Taylor Swift. Nobody will ever be able to prove that Taylor Swift was the greatest singer of the 21st century. But what she has is a kind of magnetism. And Mm -hmm. that brings the crowds. And that's exactly what Zuleika Dobson has. Zuleika Dobson is really a shallow and superficial character. And she's not a very talented one either. Her big way of um, making a living is the opposite of an artist's commitment to a particular kind of art. She is a magician almost by accident. She's not a very good magician. She does sleight of hand tricks and they're not performed very well. And she doesn't much care that they're not performed very well. What she lives for is admiration. So we laugh at Zuleika Dobson as readers at the same time that we also laugh at every man who is obsessed with her attraction and appeal. Um, I would add, thinking about this issue of psychology, Beerbaum was anti-Freudian. Freud's work was first starting to enter Britain around 1910, around the time that Beerbaum was finishing Zuleika Dobson and really mm-hmm. getting it whipped into shape. He loathed the idea of psychotherapy, of depth psychology. He thought all of this was nonsense. But he did have one thing in common with Freudian psychology, which was an interest in compulsions. Beerbaum himself saw dandyism as, in effect, an antidote to compulsion, because dandyism said, restrain yourself, control yourself, behave. (laughs) But was fascinated by compulsion, and throughout his fiction, he has characters who exemplify compulsion and are, are punished for giving into it, especially when that compulsion is the worship of celebrity or the desire to be a celebrity. In his 1919 volume of short stories, there's the character of Enoch Soames, 
the utterly untalented 1890s decadent poet. If you have enjoyed this episode and want to listen to the entire episode, you can subscribe at theglobalnovel.com/slash subscribe. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you.